And uh, we are in a series uh, looking at the book of Acts. And really the series is called Permission Slip. What if uh, we always think we're waiting on God, but what if God's waiting on us? I really believe in the book of Acts that we can be rested in our identity. You know why? Because the book of Acts is the formation of the church. Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit had come. I love that, that thought, rested. You know, the Bible says that God worked for six days, and then he said it is finished in Genesis, and then he rested. In the New Testament, Jesus worked. He said it is finished, it is finished and then now we rest. We rest in our identity, but we don't rest in our activity. The book of Acts is not about us. It's resting in our identity. We are sure of who we are, but the invitation is to get a bit risky. Who wants to get a bit risky in our faith? Who wants us to be a bit urgent in our faith? Because that's the invitation of the book of Acts. It's for you and I not to no longer be spectators, but participators in the greatest story ever told. You know what I love about Acts, if you've ever read it? It's 28 chapters long. When you get to the 28th chapter, it ends with this. Paul was in his house preaching the gospel, inviting people into it, and that's how it ends. Dr. Luke finished it. He didn't finish it. It's unfinished. Why would he not finish the book of Acts? You know why? Because the church hasn't finished being built yet. You know why? Because right now in heaven, there's a story that's being written, a Bible being written about a church here on earth that is reaching people that have never been reached before. I want to tell you, we are, not, we, are not, we are part of an incredible story, you and I. Our story is still being written. 2019 in heaven, the angels rejoice with those come to Christ. I believe we should not only be arrested, but risk everything for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's the tagline behind this series, the courage to participate in heaven's power. Two words stand out for me, power and participate. How do we know we need God's power to live this life? I mean, I wonder if in the book of Acts, as, as, as we speak about it, that, that these early disciples, as they walked through the streets, they had seen the ascension of Jesus. There was a big cloud. It's like fireworks, pyromaniac. It was like, boom. They saw Jesus go, and they were like, and they stood around, and two guys came and said, hey, what are you standing around for? Get on with where you need to go. Go to Jerusalem. And then when Jerusalem, they felt the power of the Holy Spirit. They'd seen that. They declared that. But I wonder if after this, as we look at the book of Acts, one of the questions that they really asked was, how long will this power last, God? Have you ever asked that question in your life? How long, God, will your power last? You know why? Because we live in a world of diminishing resource. Just ask Eskim. I mean, we do. I mean, if you've got an iPhone or 6 at 3 o'clock this afternoon, wah, 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 pay battery, baba. That's what happened. I'm telling you, we live, we, live, we live in a world with diminishing. Love runs out. Marriages might run out. Relationships run out. It's, no, it's common sense for us. But you know what the danger is? We associate that with God's power. But God never said, I'll run, run short on power. I want to answer this question today to you around this, this question that, God, will your power last? But more importantly, what does it look like for you and I to look after this power, for this power to flow in our lives? Anyone want power to flow in our lives? I want power to flow in my life. And I really believe as we come here to church today, I wanna to remind you this is no ordinary meeting. And primarily, we don't come here to give something, we come here to get something. The Bible says, for, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, he says, for unto us a child is given. I want to tell you, friends, are you ready to get something today? Because I want to tell you, God says you have come to get something from him. He's a God that supplies, feeds us, looks after us. Not primarily about get, giving something, but getting something from him. Yo, my mouth is dry. You got some water for me? Thank you.
I was um, recently uh, hyperextended my knee playing touch rugby. Hyperextended my knee. And uh, anyway, I went to, you know, there's good news and bad news about hyperextending your knee. The bad news is that it's really sore. The good news is you live on Tramacet for a while. It's like, zzz, you, you drift around like you, and for three days I lived on Tramacet, and then, and then my knee sort of like felt like, I went to see the orthopedic surgeon. I went to see him, I said, check out my knee. I sit at this table, I guess, and, he's, and he says, okay, tell me the story. He's going, grr, 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 grr. You're looking at the screen, grr, grr. And, it, and as I get to the end of my story, he says, stop, stop, I know the problem. I said, really? With blue eyes, he looks right into my heart. He says, I know the problem, you're 44. That's the problem. So then, so then he looks at me and he says, you know what? You know what also? He says, what are you doing? What are you doing? I tell him, he says, don't do it. And then I left. And then I went, and the next day, day four, my son says to me, he's 13 years old. He says, Dad, we live near the seas. Dad, Salt Rock Shore Break. Ooh, it's beautiful, Dad. Let's go and get the shore break. I'm like, okay, no problem. But when I'm driving down and the clutch, I can feel Tremorset not working anymore. I get out with my son. I walk towards on the beach like this, and I'm a bit like a crab without a spincer. You know, he's just, just dragging the one foot behind. I'm trying to, my son's walking 10 meters ahead of me. He's a bit embarrassed. Who's this bald head guy that's shaking his knee around behind him? So he, off he goes. You know, like the young guys jump into the shore break. You know, I love young guys. They're like, like deers. You know, they, they run there like, oh, and they shake their head like it, and they dive in like it. I didn't do that. I walked slowly towards it like a barge. I just went down there. I just lay in like this. James had moved down the beach because he wasn't, well, who's that guy over there? So I sat there. But you know what I love about the shore break? It's salt rock, steep bank, ooh, bit of a backwash, you know. And I love it because when you see people in the shore break, you just see their head above the water and they're smiling like that, but underneath it's like, <laughs> but, but me, I was like this, like this, but one leg straight, like that, and then I realized right, right in that moment, I, I thought about, well, how do I exit the short break? It's one thing to get in, how do you get out? And I stood there for a while and I thought, okay, it's time to go because this pain is unbearable. And so I thought, okay, I'm just going to time it because it's all about rhythm. And, you know, one goes out and then, and then I start and then I'm, I'm going to go up. And I start moving out like this, one, two, three. And, the, and then I thought I heard the audible voice from heaven say this, look again. And I just turned around and looked like this and there was this wave just behind me. And, and I did like a, a Barishnikov on a ballet dance. I just swiveled like a swivel, whoop, underneath again. And I'm back there again, and I'm in the shore break. And then I, and then I try again, and, I, and then a second time around, I like come out, and I'm thinking, two, three, I'm four, I'm nearly out. I'm there, look again, look, ag- look, and I look back, Woo! back down, under again. You know, it felt like eternity trying to get out that salt rock shore break. Eventually, I just surrendered and went up like a beach whale, <laughs> gathered myself. James only met me at the car park. When I was in the car. But here's, here's what I want to say. And here's the title of my message today. And here's what I want to speak about in the book of Acts. Because it reminds us of a very powerful thought that becomes a truth that will transform your life. It's two words. And if it settles in your heart, it will change you forever. And it's this idea and this truth and these words. It says, look again. Look again. Aren't you glad that first impressions don't last? I remember my first date with Kath. Near the end of the evening, I forgot her name. (laughs) Thank you, God, for second opportunities. Thank you for second chances. Thank you. 25 years later and three children. Amen. Look again. Look again. The other day, my son, I looked at him. He's 13. He's going through puberty, and his voice like, "Hmm, ah, hmm, ah." 
I want to put him in the freezer every now and then for three hours, like Ray Bevan said. But the other day, God challenged me, look again over your son. Look at the potentials in him. Look at his shepherd heart. Look at how he loves people. Look again. 13 years ago, we took him out of Mflanga Hospital in our hands. I remember it. And so it goes so quickly. But God challenged me, and he wants to challenge you today. Look again. Look again at the spouse he's given you. Look again at the business he's given you. Look again at the place you live. Look again at the roof over your head. Look again at the influence you have. Look again at the salvation you know. Look at the gain of the God is in our midst. Look again. Look again. You know, this is not just my idea. This is the Bible's. I love our Moses. He picks up a stick. He's like, oh, indugu. <laughs> oh, stick. But when he lifted up over the Red Sea, the waters parted. You know what God must have said to Moses? Look again. When Elijah had his, Elisha, his servant, and he put him out the tent, it hadn't rained for three and a half years. He said to the servant, go and look outside. Show me, tell me if there's a cloud. He went once. Elijah, the prophet said, look again. Twice, three times, sixth time. He says, go and look again. Some people sitting here today and feel like they've failed five times and six times. I want to challenge you today. God will say to you, look again, because your salvation is nearer than you think. You might think your life might be a failure, but I want to tell you, God will turn around in a moment if you just look again. He sends him out on the sixth time. He comes back. He says, Elijah, I see a cloud the size of a fist. He says, oh, really? He says, well, I want to go and tell the king that he better prepare himself because the rain is coming. These words came from Jesus himself. He's walking through a wheat field with his disciples. And he says to his disciples, what do you see? They say, we just see wheat field. No, he says, look again, because I see that the harvest is ripe. Look again with the words from Jesus Christ. Look again on the words from the apostle Luke as he writes this story to us in the book of Acts. His one challenge to unlocking power in your life is to look again. Look again. Write that down. Remember it. Let it speak to you. You see, this sermon today is not going to be based upon the level of my preparation primarily. It's going to be based upon the, the, the expectation in your heart to hear God's word. We always get what we expect. Today, will you open your hearts and hear it for yourself because the story of Acts has not finished yet. It's with us. Right now, it resides in our hands as the church. Right now in South Africa, we need the church to be those people that love on those who've never been loved before. To tell those people, tell the people of South Africa, look again because God can set it right. God can bring freedom. God can change your past and bring an incredible future. Look again. I'm excited. Anyway, so let's go, let's go to the, uh, Acts chapter 3, and uh, we're going to read together because it's an amazing story. This is the first miracle that happens in the book of Acts, and uh, it almost comes like a speed hump. You know, chapter 1, chapter 2, hey, we get a bit of a rhythm, rhythm, boom, 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 into chapter 3. It's like, what happened there? It's, it's a miracle that happens for the first time. Any time something happens for the first time, we've got to pick up our ears. You see, Dr. Luke, when he wrote something, he wrote it for everything was by detail. He didn't leave it out. And so he wants you as the church today, because you and I are part of the story, to listen in, because he has something profound and powerful. And uh, we're going to read it together. And then I'm going to try and give us three observations around how you and I can understand this very powerful truth that God's power hasn't run dry, and you and I can foster a heart and environment for his power to flow. Who would like God's power to flow in their life? Let's read it together. Acts chapter three, verse one. And it says this, one day, say one day with me. I love that thought, one day. It wasn't a set day, that day, special day, Christmas day, Easter day. It was just an ordinary day. 
God does the most powerful things in ordinary days. 99% of the miracles of Jesus, divine interruptions happened on a single day, any ordinary day. It wasn't a feast of tabernacles, feast of this. Jesus was walking, divine interruption, what on one day. I want to tell you one day, you might have arrived this morning think it's an ordinary day. It's no ordinary day because God will move in you. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Say three with me. Three, it's significant that he would write three. Why would he record that? Because three o'clock is when Jesus died on the cross and declared it is finished. He didn't say, I'm finished. He said, it is finished. What is finished? Your sins have been forgiven. The temple curtain was torn in two. No longer was the temple just a place over there where God's presence was. The presence would be housed in the hearts of man. That is powerful. Three, oh, Peter had a lot to do with threes. Three times he denied Jesus. Three times the rooster crowed. But three times Jesus reinstated him and said, on this rock, I will build my church. Peter had a vision from God in the book of Acts of a tablecloth coming down and four corners of it. Four corners represent the entire globe, four corners of the earth, a tablecloth. Isn't that a picture of God, how God wants to feed us? And God said, take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Guess how many times Peter had that vision? Three times. Three o'clock is significant for you and I. Reminded to ourselves that it is finished. And then he said this, he said, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. Verse three, when Peter and John about to enter, sorry, when, Peter, when, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look, there's our word, look at us. This man had thousands of men going through him every day. He looked at all those men. But Peter said this important truth. Look again, because God's presence is here right now. Look again. Verse five, so the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from him. I love the man had a little bit of expectation. He might have looked, he was looking for coins, but God was about to give him some legs. And then he said, verse six, then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have. Say, but what I do have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Verse seven, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with him into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Acts chapter three. I've got three observations with you today. The first one is this, and I really believe will answer the question to this question. How long will this power last and how can I have it in my heart? The first is then in this story, I see a problem, the problem, but based around this, I see routine and religion, routine and religion. Notice what it says in the Bible that this man was born lame, born lame. It's one thing, uh, you know, it's, he, was, he was a good guy trying to make the most of a bad situation. He, he, he was trying his best, but he was born that way. It's one thing to have known how to walk before, but he had never known it before. He had never, he'd never known what it is to walk. It's, it's one thing to have an appetite for, 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 for being healed, but never having experienced it. This guy never knew what it was like. And so I think the, the, the invitation of this, what it says to us here today, is this man built a routine around his disability. How many know that we can build routines around our disabilities? How many know that so often in our lives, and, and someone once said this, I think we, we all in many ways have been born 
into, a, into, into families that often have a certain culture or thing about them. I mean, you might have been born into a family that uh, is, is always in conflict. So if you've always known that, how do you ever grow an appetite for peace? If, if, you've, if, you, if you've grown up in a family that is divided and, and, and very insecure, how do you ever build an appetite for wholeness and healing? And so the reality is for many of us, we're built into that and it's, a, it's something that forms in our lives. But how do you know that God wants to change that? We weren't born for routine. You see, routine is what we build around that which we believe we can't change. And that's what happens. You know, someone once said, you know, you, you can have Jesus in your heart, but granddad in your bones. Huh? It's true. You have Jesus, but granddad, we, we, we live, with, us, we live with, with families that have gone before us and we think that that's sometimes normal. But I want to tell you, there's only one thing that's normal is that we base our expectations on what God says, not what's happened in our families. We have an opportunity to turn our eyes towards God and look again at His truth, His love, His peace, that whatever happened in our past can be changed in a moment. It doesn't matter where you've been born or what you've been born into. The reality is you can be born again. Born again with a new spirit and new heart. But this man had built his life around routine. I love that word, every day. Have you ever woken up and thought Thursday was Tuesday and Monday was Wednesday and Friday was Saturday ever? Just on holiday. Okay, no, all, all, the, all the time. I mean, it's true for us in our lives. Don't you find that sometimes? I don't know if you're doing that school trip every day. I call it my Bermuda Triangle. Church, gym, and house. It can get so easy. I can just get into this thing that I just get into. Life just happens. And what happens is we go from May to July. And then July, we're seeing Christmas carols. Here comes Christmas. And we live 70 years, 70 years on routine. But God would never designed you to live by routine. We need to crack out the box here. We rested in our identity, but we're going to be risky in our activity. Routine. You know what's challenging as well is the word that took him to the same spot every day. The beautiful gate. Have you ever, have you ever lived a life where you're at the same spot? You, you took a New Year's resolution on the 5th of January, you're back at the same spot. You did the 12-week challenge, and then you got on the scale, and you were at the... Same spot. <laughs> you, you, uh, you know, you got those size 30s that you put in a separate cupboard. You know, you, know, you got that size shorts that you put there. One day I'm going to wear them. Don't throw them away. And, and then you go back there and you try them and you go, ooh, I'm at the same spot. <laughs> has, has that ever happened to you? you? You've tried different jobs because you thought the other job was greener. But when you get there, you realize you're actually at the same spot. Life can be like that. We're in routine and we just put our heads down. And you, you know what often I do, and I'm guilty of this, say, how's it going? No, oh, you know, just same old, same old. <laughs> yeah. Hey, how's life going? No, oh, you know, just, you know, we're just going and we're busy. And isn't that, a, you'll see people today in the foyer, like, how you doing? You know, I oh, know it's, it's okay. You know, we're doing okay. That, that's routine language. That's, that's not looking again. This man was in a routine, but no fault of his own. He was sitting there. He just become used to it. His mindset was, I could never change. You know, Max Licardo speaks about three things that hold us back, they stagnate us. One is fear, fearful. The other is failure. And the one I'm speaking about today is futility. The question we ask deep down when we go to sleep at night is, will it ever change? Will my financial situation change? Will that relationship change? Will my, will, will my marriage change? Will my work opportunities change? This man found himself in routine. And you know what's amazing? Is here he was outside a beautiful gate. An ugly problem 
in front of a beautiful gate. A man sitting there. You know what God come to tell you today? That the gate is closer than you think it is. And it's beautiful. You know that gate in East Jerusalem, Eastern Wall, 50 foot high, gold and bronze. It's so beautiful to look at. But I want to tell you, don't look at the gate. Look at what it represents. It represents access and opportunity. You know why? Because Jesus Christ said, I am the gate to life. For this man, if you're sitting in routine today, the gate is closer than you are. Jesus is right here, right now. He gives you access and opportunity in a life you never dreamt before. One step of faith. Look again. The gate is right here. And there's a brother of routine. His name's religion. And religion comes past and pops some coins. And you're just like, oof, coins. You see, religion will clean you up. Won't call you up. Religion, religion will, will you'll, you'll keep doing the same things and expect something from you. But I want to tell you, relationship will take you to another level. It'll bring you breakthrough in your life. Religion will keep you down, begging for daily, daily, daily. Give me daily, daily, but relationship will take you to eternity. It'll change you forever. I love the Zulu word. There's a, there's a, there's a machine that drives around here on, our, on these green lands down here, the sugar cane. It's a machine. It's, it's, a three, it's got three wheels, two in the front, hydraulic driven, little back wheel, and it's a bell loader. But the Zulu language for it is beautiful. They call it jigadooza. Jigadooza. It means it, it turns quick like a ch you know what happens when religion comes in our life? We just jigger doza. Like jigger, 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 jigger. We never humba pumbil. You know, we just jigger, jigger, hey, jigger, we jigger, jigger, jigger. That's what we do in religion. We just patch up, patch up, patch up. Oh, I'm looking good. We're like a shore break. Woo, woo, woo. But we're not going anywhere. God, God's telling you, friends, rest in my identity, be risky in my activity. Move forward. Don't jigger, jigger, jigger. You know, I've got, got a dog called Rosie. It's actually named after the Holy Spirit, Rosie Spirit. Um, Rosie, he's a, he's a sheep, sheep, col, a sheep dog cross. I don't know what, but we found her and rescued her. My daughter, Grace, loves her. Anna, just, when Anna sees her, she says, oh, my Rosie, my Rosie, just uh, fall in love. So, so, so we go away the other day, three, three days away, and we, we got a beautiful place. We stayed in Milkwood Lane. We got landscape views like never before. Smallish garden, but, but Rosie, we left there for two days. And you know what happens when you get back? The first thing I do is I open the veranda doors and then I go and check for the landmines. You know, because I mean, the reality is there's the, you know, you, you, the small garden. But, 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 and, and we've got this application. It's beautiful. You know, you know technology is advanced. We can nearly hologram people. We can do everything. But garden technology has changed. It's called a poop scooper. You know, it's got that little grip on it where you can just, you can, you can go like that, and it does it. You can go like this, and you does it. You don't have to use a spade, checkers, nothing. And it's almost like I arrive there, and I'm, I'm poop scooping. My daughter's going, Dad, have you seen the view? They put a roof on that house. Have you seen the sea? Have you think? You know what religion does? It concentrates on what's wrong with you, but we need to lift our eyes and see what's right with God. We need to stop looking at the landmines. Look at the landscape that God has for us. You see, so often religion is like, oh, I'm going to take care of this and I'm going to take care of that and oh, make myself look pretty. Look at the landscape God offers you every day. It's different in your eyes. God says, stop worrying about the sin that entangles you. Put your eyes on the Savior that loves you. That loves you. R routine and religion. And the second thing I see in this story, and this is the powerful part, it's simply this, the power of God. The power of God, and, and this, 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 I just said look and live. Look and live. And I wanna point out a couple of things of what these men say. You see, because along came Peter and John. You know the Bible says that? Here comes Peter and John, you know? They're walking together, and they're kicking stones, the only way to pray, and, it, and they, they're walking like this. And if, if I, to, your Bible says Peter and John, but I would say that's relationship. You know, why wasn't it Bartholomew and Timothy or 
Someone else, the other disciples, why was it Peter and John? Because Peter and John, wherever Jesus went, a place of significance, Peter and John were with him. In other words, Peter and John had relationship with Jesus Christ. Anytime you have relationship, you have power. And so they walked and along comes power on the road. And the power stops like this and they look at the man. And I love this. They look at the man and, and, and this man's seen many men, but they say these words, these words to us. Look at us. Look at us. You know what they're saying? Stop looking at man, but look at the mercy of God. Look at the grace of God. Look at what he's done. Look, because Peter and John represented Jesus. And the simple invitation was look at us. Pastor Stephen Furtick said this, and I quote, he said, if you give God your attention, he will always exceed your expectation. If you give him your attention, you know what I loved about this man? It says he suddenly looked at them and he was expecting something from them. There was expectation in his heart and that was the seed for a great miracle. Every time you have a bit of expectation, God can turn it around. Look at us. And I love what they say. Um, it's amazing what they say. They say, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, what I do have, I'll give you. I wonder if we spend our lives looking at what we don't have and actually realize what we do have. Link Church, do you know what you, you have in Christ? Do you know the salvation we have? Do you know this life we've been given? Do you know this? It's, it's a reminder that God has put something so much powerful in us. It, is, it, it far outweighs anything the world would give us. It is, what do you have? It's a good question. These men understood this. You know why? They knew who they represented. And with authority, they turn to this man and they say, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. I love this. You know why? Because, you know, they didn't pray for him. They didn't look down and go like, oh, Lord Jesus, this is bad. Have you seen that, Lord? Have you, do you know how long this man's been here, Lord? 30 years, you know? They didn't, they didn't pray about it. They didn't do anything. You know what they did? They accessed the thing that you and I can access every single day. They accessed the authority of God. They accessed an authority. Listen, when a police guy comes to your house and he says, I want to search you and I have a search warrant, what do you do? You let him in. You know why? Because he comes with authority. You know why? Because the commissioner stands behind him. And behind the commissioner stands the police uh, justice minister. And behind him stands the president, Cyril Ramaphosa. You know why? Because they understand authority. The same with you and I. Anytime we stand before and command something, we stand with Jesus behind us. And behind him, the Holy Spirit. And behind the Holy Spirit, the Heavenly Father. We have been delegated authority. Anytime you want to access the power of God, it's just taking rightfully what is yours, the authority of Jesus Christ. It's interesting when Jesus sent his disciples, he sent out 72 and then he sent out the 144. And every time he went, you know what he said? I give you authority. In Matthew 28, some of Jesus' last words, he says, all authority is mine. Now go and make disciples. You know what that means? You have access to his authority. They didn't pray about it. They just proclaimed it. They proclaimed a name that was so powerful. I love this, uh, this understanding of name because it, it says name, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And that name is associated with a scripture in the Old Testament. Because when we get to know a name, we get to see something that describes his character. And that name is referenced in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. And I want to read it to you because it, it, it gives significance to what, this man, what they were proclaiming over this uh, lame man. And it says this, there are four things it says, I'll read the scripture. 
it says this. The scripture is, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I love that. That is what it, that, that's the link up. There's the connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. When he claimed the name of Jesus Christ, he was claiming these four descriptions. First one, wonderful counselor. He's not a wonderful dictator, but a counselor. He listens and he talks. He sees our needs and finds ways to meet them. In his presence, you are unique, important, and significant. He pays attention to you. Mighty God, he is able to do what he said he would. He has come to conquer sin. There is nothing passive about our Savior. He is adequate. He is all sufficient. He is mighty God. He is everlasting Father. He is no absent Father. He is very present with every single one of us. He sees us as his children. He's the Prince of Peace. He says, as the Prince rules, peace develops. He is thorough and complete in what he does. Peace is the harmony putting everything together so it fits. We try to get peace by getting rid of what irritates us. God gets peace by restoring everything to health. An incredible, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He commands this man in the name of Jesus Christ to rise up and walk. That last word, rise up and walk, is written in the Greek, it's in the present imperative, which means this, which is so powerful, that when he said to him, you're gonna walk, it wasn't that he was gonna walk for a couple of days. He wasn't gonna walk for a couple of hours. He was gonna walk forever. The same God that would save him would enable him to walk forever. You know how good news is that for you and I? That his power will last forever. It is not like your iPhone. It is not like your, your maintenance of your house. It's nothing like it. It will fade, but not God. Because God, when He promises that you will walk, you will walk forever. His power with us. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And the miracle happened in a moment. This man, the Bible says, he picked him up and he stood up. And he says it went with him into the temple and began to leap and praise God. I love that invitation, that when we, the gospel touches us, it changes the trajectory of our lives. No longer, there's a leap in our hearts, a joy in our, in our hands as we, re, as we realize what God has done for you and I. The first I see in the story and the realization for you and I is we understand the problem of routine and religion. The second is this, is that we understand the power of God. The power of God stands in looking and living. In other words, resting in our identity, but stepping out in our activity. And then the last one I wanna close with this, and it's this, it's the promise, the promise, the promise. And I wrote this, turning and timing, turning and timing. And I really believe that every single one of us wants to hold on or foster this power that flows through our lives. Herein lies the secret. Because Peter saw the miracle and he thought to himself, wow, if this miracle could happen, I could speak to these people. And he delivered a message that was all about Jesus. It was centered on him. And in that moment, it says on the back end of this, 5,000 people were saved in this, in this time. It was almost like revival broke out. Who longs for revival? Who longs for the reviving breath of God to live in their hearts? Well, this scripture, I wanna close with this because this is what Peter said. In Acts 3, this had happened. This man stood up, he preached a message and he ended with this invitation. And the invitation is for you and, and I today. And he ended with this. He said these words in Acts 4 verse 19. Right at the end of his message, he said, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come 
from the Lord. Two things that I see here, turning and timing. Turning. Turning is our responsibility. Timing is God's. Turning is to turn with all our hearts towards Him, to surrender before Him. Turning speaks of being humble, humility. Turning, you know what turning speaks of? Expectation. Do you want the power of God to flow in your life? Be expectant to experience Him. And it says the times of refreshing will come. That word refreshing in the root word in the Aramaic is the word for revival. Times of revival will come from the Lord. Times of revival. And it points back to the Genesis 1 where Adam's walking in the garden and the cool breeze is walking. It's a picture of God's intimacy, a cool breeze through your heart that overflows out of every area of your lives. If you would turn to Him, times of refreshing from the Lord would come. Just this last Thursday in Parliament down in uh, Cape Town, uh, they had a moment to swear in the new MPs. It's the sixth sitting of Parliament here in South Africa since our uh, new democracy. And uh, Cyril Ramaphosa, I think, uh, yesterday was inaugurated as a new president. And, uh, but they take a moment in Parliament where they have a swearing in where the Chief Justice uh, Minister, he empowers all of them to be the next parliamentary members in, sit, sitting in the parliament. And um, before he did that, the, the whole parliament was full up in the gallery up front and uh, he took a moment and he said, I wanna take a moment before we do this and uh, I wanna take a moment to pray. And uh, I'm gonna give you three minutes, he said, I love it. He said, I'm gonna give you three minutes to pray. That means we're not gonna pray forever, but we're gonna pray. And this is what I want you to do. We're gonna pray for solutions. We're gonna pray for solutions to our corruption and our crime in this land. We're gonna ask God for wisdom that we desperately need as we go forward. Justice Mahueng Mahueng, his, his name's so nice, they said it twice. And he's just, he's, he's an incredible man. He is a man of faith and he sat there like this and I loved his boldness, you know, because he stood there. He had the opportunity just to carry on, but he said, no, we're gonna take a moment. We're gonna take a moment before this country sets parliament, before we even swear in anyone, before the president takes his seat, because we have one who's greater than our president. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you know what he said? Yes, you're right, that's worth an applause. You know what he said, Justice Mahueng he said this, he said this, and now we're gonna pray. And he said, um, I'm gonna start the clock and the timing's on me. And you can almost see him pressing it like this. And he does something that is so significant. He turns around and he gets on his knees and faces his chair. And you know that his microphone, you can go and listen to it, his microphone was still on behind him and he begins to pray. And I promise you, I've never heard a prayer. I could just hear the muffling of it. But he began to pray in Jesus' name. He began to pray for wisdom for our country. He began to pray for the incumbent leaders. He began to pray for solutions for our country. He began to pray. You know what he was doing? He was turning to God for times of refreshing will come from the Lord. He was modeling what Acts 4.19 was doing. He was turning to God so that times of refreshing would come. I wanna encourage you. Do you want the power of God to flow in your life? It is available for every single one of us. Friends, when we turn to Him, yes, we believers, but turning is not, I'm going back and forgiving me for all my sin. No, that's forgiven. Turning is saying, God, I'm yours again. Turning is God, I'm everything. Yours is mine. God, my business, my family, my hope, my future is in your hands. Lord, I'm gonna turn to you because I believe the times of refreshing will be over my life. In Jesus' name. Mind you stand with me. I'll take a moment just to pray.